This is Tim Benall of BenallofAmerica.com with the return of Benall of America Audio Season 1. That's right, we're back. We're back from our mid-season hiatus. Did you miss me? I missed you. This week we return to action with Melinda Leslie. I've wanted to have Melinda Leslie on the program since I first saw her at the X Conference in Washington, D.C. I knew, I was like, I have to interview this woman her research is fascinating. And so as Benall of America Audio progressed and grew, I kept glancing at my list of guests that I wanted. I knew Melinda Leslie was on there, and I finally got a chance to track her down during the mid-season hiatus. And now we're bringing to you a two-part interview with Melinda Leslie talking about covert intelligence involvement in ET abductees. This is... Just fascinating stuff. For those of you unfamiliar with Melinda Leslie, here's a little bit about her. She has investigated covert intelligence involvement in abductions for 12 years, conducting over 40 interviews of experiencers and researchers of this troubling phenomenon. For many years, Melinda was the director of two experiencer support groups and the director of a monthly lecture series for nine years, presenting nearly 100 speakers. Melinda was associate producer of the 1994 UFO Expo West conferences has lectured on her area of expertise at numerous conferences, and has been a guest on many radio and television talk shows. And now, of course, she's on Benall of America Audio. Ladies and gentlemen, the wait is over. Benall of America Audio returns with Melinda Leslie. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Benall of America Audio, and I'm excited to bring to you this week Melinda Leslie. Um, personally, for me, I discovered Melinda Leslie at the X Conference, too, in Washington. It was an awesome presentation. I was completely blown away. I just could not even imagine. And I hadn't really heard of her yet. And then since then, that was last April, since then, um, I've come to find out that a lot of people know about Melinda Leslie and her research, and she's very well respected in the field. And uh, when I started putting together Benall of America Audio, she was on the top of the list. So welcome to the show, Melinda, and thank you for the interview. Sure. Thank you for having me. Um, why don't we start off uh, with just your bio here? Like, just tell me a little bit about yourself and, and what you're doing in the field. How you got into it? It says you've been involved in abductions for 12 years and interviewed over 50 experiencers and researchers of the phenomenon. And I'd say your specialization is covert intelligence involvement in abductions. That's right. Um, but tell us a little bit about like uh, where you came from and everything, and, and how you got into studying this. Oh, goodness. Well, um, that's actually a long story. <laughs> but um, I, I suppose that the, see if I can give a Reader's Digest condensed version. <laughs> um, it's, it, first off, my, you know, I have a regular background and, and work as an office manager and executive assistant and, and, you know, have experienced a variety of fields in the past. Um, and uh, so this isn't, you know, my career or anything. <laughs> um, 
anyone who's involved in the UFO field knows you spend money doing it, you don't make money. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, but that's the case. Um, and you spend quite a bit of money <laughs> doing <laughs> the research. Um, my involvement in this particular subject matter started with, um, I, I had an interest my whole life, but since, since I was in high school, in the paranormal and studying it pretty heavily. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine who had these same interests, who I met through an organization group many, many years ago, had turned me on to a radio program in 1989. And um, at the time, she was into Native American stuff. Oh, gosh, I'm giving the long version. I'm so sure this up. Don't worry about it. She was into Native American stuff. And um, this radio show was talking about Native American things. And all of a sudden, switched subject matter. And she told me about it, thinking I might have an interest. And truth is, I, I didn't really have an interest in the UFO subject. Um, my only interest in it was more of a spiritual context of channeled messages, that kind of stuff, if yeah. you will. And um, if anything, I had a little bit of a negative interest in it. Um, but she told me, hey, you know, check out this real program. It's really interesting. And, I mean, this was like, you know, within a week of it switching subject matter, she instantly told me to check it out. Well, what was happening on this radio program at the time, it was called Billy Goodman's The Happening. Yeah. And you may have heard of it. And um, it was the beginning of the whole Lazar story breaking. It was '89, uh, I want to say it was, I think, J July, if I remember correctly. Apparently, starting in about June, uh, Bob Lazar had taken John Lear and, and I guess George Knapp out to see these um, craft that were flying, or according to him, being test flown every Wednesday. And um, they went on this radio program and, and started to talk about, this was long before Lazar ever did, it started with, I think, I started actually with Bill Cooper, who at the time was friends with John Lear, and then, it's, and then John Lear himself going on at, at Bill's request and the radio host's request. Anyway, so they, they were first talking about the, the story. And um, John had mentioned about going out there and having these sightings. Well, the radio show decided to put it, trip together and for people to go out there. On a last-minute fluke, this friend of mine and I, who would take camping trips and often go to Sedona, Arizona, as an example, yeah. we were, had been overdue. We had not gone camping in like a year, and she said, you know, we've been talking about it, talking about it. She said, let's go here and join up with these people. Oh, boy. And so on a total fluke, we went out there and to what is now known as Area 51 and the Black Mailbox and Mailbox Road and yeah, the yeah. town of Rachel and et cetera, et cetera. And we had, um, we didn't necessarily think we are going to have a sighting. We thought we were going out there with a bunch of, you know, like-minded people and we are going to meditate and, you know, look yeah. at the stars and, you know. <laughs> we didn't really expect anything to happen, and um, of course it did. <laughs> and we had sightings, and the, the radio show had two busloads of people out there, oh and um, there ended up being you know, like, uh, approximately 80 people or so, maybe more. Huh. And um, and the buses had taken off earlier. Well, when we got there, they were first there, but then they left. Anyways, and the remaining people stayed around and agreed that we had had um, the minimum number that we agreed on was about 15 good sightings. Oh, wow. Yeah, and um, over a period of about three hours after from when the bus left to going until about two or three in the morning. Um, 
so over a period of about three or four hours, we, we had agreed on that. And then we ended up spending the night out there, actually, at the location. And um, we were so excited by what we saw and totally blown away that we went back two weeks later. Um, and we, we're, we live in Southern California, so going to the middle of Nevada, you know, it's a little bit of a doing. We went back two weeks later because we were so excited. And then we went back like a month after that. So basically in a two-month period, we had been out there three times and had had good sightings each time and had joined up with other people out there. Um, and like I said, had had sightings each time. Well, now, hold thing. on. Let me, let me just... Now, you never got harassed by security or anything while you went out there? Oh, yeah. Well, and I've been out there many times since, and I've even taken some groups of people. So, you know, some, yeah, you know, the white Broncos pull up and, you know, that kind of thing. And they don't chase you off or anything? No, no, no. Okay. We, where we're going, where you, you know, if you're at the black mailbox, you're in a public place. Um, as long as you're not blocking the road, you know, they won't hassle you. Um, I mean, I've been out there many times. If anything, they've... Warned us or checked in us, but they've never made us go. It's never been it's never been a problem. Okay. All right. And I know people who have even gone down the road and everything, and it's not been a problem. If if you go far enough to where the signs are, they will ask you to to leave. But usually, when they ask you to leave, you do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Kind of a thing. Um, I've not gone to that point where I've been asked to leave. I have been there, but not when there's been security around. Yeah. I've actually been with people who've hiked up into the local hills. A um, couple of groups over the years kind of been somewhat famous for having had done that. And I was with some of those at different times. And when Glenn Campbell used to live out there, I don't know if you're familiar with him. But anyways, long story short is, you know, been up on the hills and where you can see the, the base from up on the hill. You're quite a distance away, but you can yeah. technically see it. But again, um, and saw the cameras on the hill and the, the detection devices. There's all sorts of electronic equipment up there, you know, so they know you're there. But again, never had anything happen. Now, I know other people that have had cameras confiscated and, you know, yeah. and some of the stories you've heard, I'm sure. And and I know some people, I, you know, people I know pretty well who have had some pretty interesting stuff along that line. But long story short is those first three times going that – back in 89, starting in, um, uh, well, actually, I think the first time we went was August. I said July, but that was incorrect. I think it was August. Um, so August, September into October. So actually over a three-month period, we'd been there three times and um, had these sightings. And something about having these sightings, you know, changed my belief system instantly overnight. Oh, yeah. It was you know, first off, okay, UFOs exist, you know, uh, okay, without a doubt, I'm seeing them. I've seen things that defy gravity, defy physics as I knew it, and I was out there with some physicists on one trip, another trip, some uh, astronomers, and, you know, so I knew it wasn't any of that, you know, qualified witnesses. And, um, and so, I, you know, so it's like it defied, you know, physics as I knew it. And then also that, that the government knew about it. You know, because these things were flying in and out of a known base. Yeah. It, there, it, it was clear that this was an active military and scientific installation based upon the signs and, you know, mm-hmm. you know everything about it. I mean, you know, and, and here they were flying in and out. And as they were flying, and these things would drop out of the sky like a falling leaf, 
stop on a dime, do right angle turn, shoot off like a shooting star. And, you know, I mean, it was clearly not conventional aircraft. I mean, I've seen all sorts of conventional aircraft out there, too. I've also seen stealth aircraft out there. But in this case, these things were totally defying physics in the way they were flying. I mean, to go like a shooting star, stop, and make right angle turns, like zip, stop, zip, stop, zip, stop, you know, it's, it, it's nuts. And, um, and, and very, very unusual. And we've also, there were also helicopters in the air at the same time these other things were. So you had these things zipping around, and yet you had this, and orange and white colored glowing objects or lights, and, and small dish shapes kind of stuff. And then you also had helicopters in the air at the same time. Oh, man. Yeah, and so something about seeing these, um, and on the third trip we actually saw a, a, a rather large craft. Now, I don't know how big it was night. We couldn't tell the whole shape, but it had a circle of lights on what appeared to be like the bottom of it. And a couple of people had some telescopes. And with the telescopes, you could clearly make out the lights that were on the bottom of this thing, like a circle of individual lights. Yeah. And, and that last uh, time, which was in October, um, quite a few people were out there and saw this. And apparently with good binoculars and telescopes, you could clearly make out the circle of lights. So that was very interesting. But these three times going out there, first off, changed my belief system, Like as I said, where I said, okay, I know they exist. <laughs> and, and the government knows about it. And something about that unlocked something in my memory that in between those trips, not so much after the first one, but after the second and third trip yeah. in September, October, I started to have dreams at night where I was remembering childhood experiences, um, which turned out to be abduction experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I was not dreaming about like things I never knew about before. It was like going back and remembering things I already knew about, like an experience as a child where I had been put down for a nap one afternoon. Everyone had left. One adult stayed at the house w- with me. Um, this was out in the desert in Southern California. My grandmother had a place, and everyone had left, and this little house she had was in the middle of nowhere in the desert. And late this late afternoon, put down for a nap, woke up by what I thought were little kids who came to the bedroom window and wanted me to go out and play. Yeah. And I always had this memory of being woken up and, and, and kind of sneaking out with this adult being asleep. Well, suddenly I'm having this, this again, but this is happening, you know, this is happening at night. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, when I'm asleep, so I'm like, why am I dreaming about this, you know? And then, and then another uh, experience um, where, where I uh, also remembered something that happened as a child. So suddenly I'm having these dreams about abductions I had had as a child. And, and it, so in this three-month period, and it just, like I said, something unlocked in my brain, and I started to have this. Then... Um, a couple, just a couple months after the the third time of having a sighting out there, I had a present day abduction. You know, where it wasn't a, a dream about something that happened to me previously in life, but it was a current, you know, thing. Oh, man, yeah. And um, I had met in these trips out there some researchers 
Uh, long story short, as a researcher had introduced me to another abductee, mm -hmm. um, and uh, another researcher had linked me up with a hypnotherapist that he thought I should see. Yeah. And uh, over a period of time, so I'm trying to condense this down yeah, for you, yeah. but over a period of time, I had current time experiences, so we're talking late 80s, so we're going into 1990 here, mm -hmm. you know, 1990, had current time experiences, and um, late 1990, finally got the courage after almost a year to finally go see this this uh, hypnotherapist yeah. for regression, but I'd already had conscious memory, and I just went to her saying, okay, obviously this isn't happening, obviously I'm losing my mind, and I'm just happy, and can you refer me to a psycho, you know, are you, you know, she was a psychotherapist, I said, maybe I need a psychiatrist, maybe I need to be prescribed something, you know, yeah, yeah. a chemical imbalance, you know, whatever, and I went to her very skeptical of what I was experiencing and remembering, um, but even some of these, for instance, in 1990, um, some of these were things that I had, you know, I'd go to, for instance, go to bed, wake up the next morning with a scar I'd never had before. Yeah. You know, a healed scar where I'd never had one. Waking up with multiple bruises on my body as well as the memories of being on a ship and seeing grays and stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, no explanation for how I had a scar appear. No explanation for how bruises or cuts or needle marks may have appeared. And I was getting these things fairly regularly, you know, yeah. and with, with physical evidence. I had, I had a roommate um, who had witnessed my being gone when I didn't, I thought I'd been home. I knew I had a, about two and a half hour period of missing time. She went looking for me, basically, went in my room. My light was on in my room, but I wasn't there. I was never aware of being gone. And then, and then later she, she told me and actually drew a picture of an alien that she said she had seen in the hallway. Okay. And um, so I had a roommate witness I was gone during a period of missing time and witness an alien in the home um, during, you know, my ex experience. And, um, and I had a, a memory of that experience as well as bruises. So, you know, we're talking witness, yes. witness so missing time, multiple forms of physical evidence, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. you know, and all these things were happening and you know, so I went to this therapist, and she said, well, let's see what's going on, and, and I started to, to, to work with her. Um, but like I said, it started with the conscious memory, which led me to go, okay, I need help. I'm not dealing with this as well as I want to. You know, I mean, you do. You, you really question reality, and, and, and you know, I, I thought, well, you know, obviously this can't be happening. I must be losing my mind. And so that that's how my interest in, in the abduction subject started is I started self-investigating my own experiences. And then um, over time, I met other researchers and other abduction experiencers and formed relationships and got involved in a support group kind of thing. And, you yeah. know, um, and as I knew researchers, they were connecting me up with other people. So I started to really become an alien abduction researcher, besides an experiencer, I started to actually become a, a researcher. And, um, and, and in 91, had had an experience um, where myself and two male friends were driving somewhere um, over kind of a mountain highway. We had driven it before and driven it since. We knew exactly, you know, give or take half an hour how long it should take. 
and um, and we had an experience one night where it took about two and a half hours longer than it ever should have. Oh. You know, so we were missing at least two and maybe as much as three hours of missing time. Yeah. And um, at least two and, like I said, as much as three. And the three of us had all sorts of odd physical things, um, as well as some memory right away, some trauma right away, you know, different things that, that suggested that something major had happened. And all three of us, um, we kind of... Long story short, we'd all kind of become researchers and knowledgeable, and so we knew not to talk to each other about it. We all went and sought out hypnotherapy separate from each other, but with the same hypnotherapist who was working with our case. Um, yeah. And and that hypnotherapist said that each of us, we learned this later, um, she didn't tell us this right away, but apparently each of us remembered seeing um, this guy in military uniform in the background during our experience. Okay. And and that was in 91. In 93, so I'm jumping ahead, in 93, yep. I had an experience that was fully being abducted by what appeared to be military and covert intelligence types uh, for the sake of being interrogated about my alien experiences. And that happened in 93, and, um, and anyway, so subsequently my abduction research kind of took a turn <laughs> and started to incorporate again because I started self-investigating yeah. what was going on with this military involvement stuff and I was having black helicopter harassment, mail tampering, phone harassment, you know, interrupted phone calls um, and like I said, black, black helicopter flyovers um, that were illegally marked helicopters flying illegally low, circling continually or hovering over me. I mean, it, and this kind of stuff started happening. And um, and as I started to self-investigate, I started to ask other researchers and other abductees if they were familiar with this, if they had ever had this happen, and started to find out, yes, that in fact <laughs> they were familiar with it, both the researchers and the abductees. And, um, and, uh, and then I met Carla Turner along the way, and, and she said, you know, you must talk about this, and she really encouraged me to go forward with the research. Uh, the, you know, she was, of course, uh, has passed away now, but uh, when she was still alive, um, we were friends, and she encouraged me to uh, to really go forward with this research. And uh, and and she was so brave and uh, outspoken about it that um, you know she was quite a, a role model for me to to. Uh, be willing to, you know, stand yes. up for this subject. And since it's, it's, it's become very important, and I've brought it to the attention of other researchers who are now, because of the work I'm doing with it, taking the subject much, you know, more seriously as far as its overall significance, because it has a significance to a whole bunch of areas of, of understanding uh, in the UFO research arena. Um, you know, of course, it has a great implication for abductions. I mean, it means not only are abductions very real, but they're a matter of national security, yeah. enough that agencies are willing to spend time, energy, and money on their investigation, harassment, surveillance, you know, of the abductees. But that also it has a lot to do with understanding the nature of the cover-up and why that is. It has everything to under to do with understanding the technology and reverse engineering the technology and the history of crash retrievals and, and where that technology development has gone, 
you know, it, it's it's linked to all these things, and um, and it's taken a while to kind of you know, <laughs> bend the ear of the UFO community, but uh, but it's starting starting to happen. Well, that's good. So it's been sort of a uh, natural progression from just um, your abduction your abduction experiences, and then your own, like you said, your own self investigation. Yes. And now you've sort of carved out this niche. Um, that is this, uh, the black ops reabductions. Yeah, and it wasn't like I set out to do it. I yeah. mean, I was just self-investigating my own alien abductions, then had this other weird stuff happen and started to ask questions about, well, what was that and why was that? And and uh, with the military and intelligence involvement, and and then kind of that rolled, you know, yeah. I had initially been asked maybe to lecture a few places about my alien experiences, and before I knew it, I was incorporating this stuff, and I was meeting other people who had had these kind of things happen, and I was outspoken, and like I said, was encouraged by Carla to, yeah. to go for it, and, you know, and it wasn't like I ever said, oh, I'm going to research this. It just, it just kind of happened as a byproduct of my having experiences. All right, now, um, one thing I, I kind of noticed because I was watching your uh, the DVD of your presentation at the X conference. Sure. And um, the term that's used a lot is my lab. Now I, you didn't use it as much as as uh, as I would think because that's sort of uh, your whole uh, area of research. Mm -hmm. The actual word my lab. Do you shy away from that? What do you think of um, that class? Well, that sort of uh, classification. Well, yeah, I mean you may know this, but I'll share this for your you know listeners. Um, that Katarina Wilson, an, uh, an abductee who's written uh, rather extensively about her own experiences, um, wrote a book called Alien Jigsaw. Mm -hmm. And um, I believe it was in that book that she first mentioned the, the term MyLab. And um, MyLab was her acronym for military, M-I-L, and abduction, A-B. So it was military abduction. And so she coined the term. And then uh, Helmut Lammer, a researcher from Austria, um, I'm not sure how he necessarily got onto the subject, but he was researching the subject and wrote a book called My Labs, um, but gave, I believe, gave Katerina, you know, credit for yeah. that's where the term was coined. Um, and it just is an acronym for military abduction, but it, it takes, when you say it, it takes explaining it. And so I, I, it's not that I shy away from using it, it's just I, sometimes I don't want to have to explain <laughs> oh, see, see, what yeah. military abduction, what my lab means, yeah. and sometimes I'll just say military abduction or covert intelligence involvement because I rather than have to say my lab and then explain it, I just yeah. give the explanation without the acronym. <laughs> you know, and it just, it, it simplifies things. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, there's nothing wrong with the term, and, it, and it's, it's becoming known in the um, UFO arena. Uh, because of Katarina and Helmut and, and your work, Carla and my work, and yeah. Um, well, uh, so with these with these military abductions, they're occurring. Um, I want to know if, if it's like a recurring process where there's like an abduction. Well, let me start out actually. Let's just get to your basic thesis: is that the government, um, in the form of black ops, is abducting people after they've been abducted by ETs. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not just the abduction, it's a whole gamut of involvement. Um, it can start with low-grade surveillance yeah. um, of the abductee, progress to maybe some harassment, to being approached, to being monitored, um, to having their life maybe manipulated or influenced in some way. 
um, and then actually progress from there. Those are the first couple levels, and then progress to actually being re-abducted. Um, and again, these, you know, there's nothing in these people's lives to warrant this kind of interest from the government. Um, uh, you know, these, these are usually people who are average in every way, and yeah. usually hold average jobs, and you know, and have families, and you know, and everything about them is normal in in, in the general context of the word, um, except for the fact that they've had abductions. I mean, this is the the cross you know, gamut of, of abductees. Um, one thing is it, it, it tends to show over time and, and with research that there tends to be a higher level of, of I was going to say intelligence, but I won't say that. That's not fair. But a higher level of education amongst abductees um, in general. But that's a, a very general term because, of course, abductions now happen all over the world yeah. and in every culture, and some of those are, are Third world and poor cultures and stuff, you know. Yeah. So, so, but in 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 the U.S., it seems that that in general it tends to be it's not your hick out in the field, you yeah. know. Yeah. Even though that's often unfortunately portrayed, at least with sightings and stuff. But with abductions, it tends to be a, kind of a, a, a not only general populace but an educated general populace, um, and um, and. Uh, and and with the and with the my lab stuff, um, it tends, you know, to be those abductees who maybe fit certain scenarios. Um, and I've come across some patterns, which I'll, I'm sure we'll get into later. But then, like I said, they have the the where they're picked up, usually to be interrogated about their alien experience. Quite often, it's to be warned off or warned away from going public or talking about it kind of a thing. That happens a lot. And then, so that's usually some involvement in the, you know, interrogation slash debriefing, if you will. Yeah. And then, and then there's also um, where they're actually questioning you. And the, there's a couple of different patterns that come up there, but the two most prominent ones are alien motives and alien technology. Those are the two things that come up the most, yeah. where they're interested in what we might know about why are the aliens here, what are they doing, you know, their motives, <laughs> why, are, why are they abducting people, you know. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, why are they here in general, but also then the technology, you know, um, what have we seen, have we had hands-on, have we been shown technology, um, do we have any of it? Do we know how to operate it? You know, these yeah. kind of things come up quite a bit. And uh, and then there's some other things to a lesser degree, but um, certainly there's a follow-up of medical procedures. They're, they're often investigating, for instance, if you just had an alien abduction, they're maybe looking to see what did the aliens do to you medically. What is it about you medically or genetically that's of interest to the aliens? And then they're also, they being humans, are also looking at that. Um, and then, and you think, okay, well, this would end with this re-abduction scenario. No, <laughs> this is about the middle <laughs> oh, really? of the list of things that happen. Because then what happens is a deepening monitoring of someone's life. Then what can happen is you can um, be befriended by an insider who's either 
trying to steer you away from the subject or is trying to steer you in a particular direction within the subject, like supportive, but in a kind of a manipulative way. Yeah, these are the minders you talk about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, and controlling and manipulating. And then they can control and manipulate your life, um, affect your finances, your your work, <laughs> this kind of thing. Yeah. You can be befriended by someone where you actually get in, a, in an emo in emotional relationship with them. Um, dating or even marrying someone who is either um, who, who may be an insider or someone who has influence in that way. Wow. Um, and, and so there's these deepening, you know, levels of involvement that yeah. go even beyond the, the re-abduction scenario. And, um, and some people have quite a lot of this influence happening in their life. And some abductees just have some phone stuff and never have anything else, or just have a helicopter fly over, or maybe mail tampered with, or maybe a combination of that, and don't have anything else. Um, it seems like, you know, if you have some aspect of that, you're more likely to have more, and you're more likely to have more, and, you know, so yeah. with each level, it's more likely you're to have the next deepening levels. Yeah. And once someone has had the, the re-abduction scenario and the interrogation, that kind of stuff, it's more likely that they're going to have the other parts. But even with that, um, you know, I know of some people that have even had the, the re-abduction, the interrogation, the medical procedures, but haven't had the control and manipulation and the, and the deepening monitoring. Um, it seems to be that that control and manipulation happens to be with the people who maybe have the most amount of influence or are known in the UFO community or are m more likely to go public or who have gone public. Um, not with the re-abduction stuff and not with the other levels. That can happen to even people who haven't gone public. But, but it seems to be that the deepening, influencing, manipulating, monitoring kind of stuff happens to be with the more uh, public you are. Okay. So now, um, just to jump back a little bit, um, when the people get abducted, sometimes uh, they start experiencing these, this harassment from the government. Like, they don't come like before they've even told anybody really that they were oh, yeah. abducted. This isn't like they're, you know, the government's waiting outside in the parking lot of like Bud Hopkins or something. Yeah, no, 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 you know? no. Um, it, quite often it's these abductees, like you, like you just said, hadn't, haven't even told anyone, aren't even sure themselves. You yeah. know, a lot of times the abductee, if you ask the abductee, are you an abductee? They, they may be in denial and flat out say, well, no, or, you know. Um, so, you know, a lot of times, again, the people don't even know themselves that they're an abductee. And if, if they do or they have some sense that they're starting to put it together, um, a lot of times the abductees don't even necessar necessarily relate it to their experience. What makes them related is sometimes this harassment surveillance stuff seems to happen right after an abduction or or subsequent to, you know, in other yeah. words, if not the same day, if not within a couple of days, within a couple of weeks, or within a couple of months, you know, but you kind of, they kind of see, and especially if, it, if more than one incident of some kind happened, they, they then draw a correlation. But I've had some abductees have some low-grade harassment and not necessarily connect it to, to their abduction. I mean, I've had people approach me after I've lectured and stuff and say, well, you know, I'm an abductee and I've also had this other thing, but I never knew that they were connected. Oh, yeah. You know, and they may not be. I mean, you know, there could be other reasons for for involvement in your life, but I usually, you know, I'll, I would then ask someone, you know, do you have any other 
for this interest and um, you know, with the exception of maybe some extremely rare accounts, the answer is no. <laughs> they don't have anything going on. And it does seem to be timed in relationship to their abduction, especially especially the, the re-abduction, the, the being, you know, picked up and interrogated and stuff. That seems to happen, you know, subsequent to an alien abduction within a, a short period of time uh, after an alien abduction. So the government knows these people were abducted like... Um before they know, so therefore the yeah, government but, must know the ETs are. Uh, it, and at first, you know, at first this. I thought, well, this is only you know this is only happening to people who are going public or yeah. have talked about it or are starting to talk about it or you know talking amongst their family or their friends. And at first I thought that, but then when I started to meet people where that wasn't the case and hadn't talked to their family or friends or hadn't you know, and, and then it started to be like, well, why are they having this happen? And I had to, I had to then re-examine that and say, well, okay, you know, it, how might they know that this person is an abductee? And what I started to realize was, well, maybe they, you know, maybe there's ways that they know that abductions are happening without them finding out from the abductees. In other words, you know, you go back to the original theories and ideas of was there some kind of agreement, you know. With the government, do, you know, do they know? Do the aliens? Do the in other words, do the aliens provide them some information? Okay, yeah. I, I won't. I don't know that, but I won't rule it out. You know? okay. yeah. And then I and I said, okay, well, if that's not the case, what else is there? And then I came across over the years um, a couple different things that could suggest there's ways that they know. One is, um, as an example, that they could be monitoring the coming and going. Of ships, you know, um, and if and if there is ships returning to a particular area on a regular basis, then they might that might suggest that there's abductions in that area or yeah. if they actually are monitoring the coming and going from a from a single location and you know, that kind of thing. And and what I came across was, for instance, um, that there was a spy satellite that a gentleman by the name of Ron Regeer worked in helping develop and specifically developing the information retrieval system for in, for retrieving information from this one particular satellite. And he's gone public, kind of a whistleblower, if you will, talking about how the spy satellite tracks what, what the government officially calls fast walkers, which are these seemingly intelligently controlled objects coming in from deep space or near space into our atmosphere at, at a fast rate of speed and that and that these aren't meteors or anything else you know I mean you know he was saying that these things are under intelligent control and that this particular spy satellite just by chance was picking these things up from time to time and he did some real research to correlate these things with any known sightings and you, you your listeners may be familiar, and you're probably familiar with a famous Iranian pilot incident of an Iranian pilot coming close contact and chasing down a, a, a Iranian fighter pilot chasing down a UFO, and it's a, it's a famous sighting and incident, and and you know recorded and known UFOlogy. Well, he was able to to track that the that the spy satellite tracked the object that the Iranian fighter pilot. Um, chased and, you know, yeah. and witnessed, and, and I think other pilots too, but that that this was one of the objects that the, that the DSP 
spy satellite saw come in from deep space. Oh, man. And so, yeah, so, so suddenly you go, wait a second, this is one spy satellite that just happens to be catching these things? So and then you kind of scratch your head and you go, well, ha wait a second. Okay, is it actually got equipment on it to design to track these things? Yeah. This is a spy satellite with other purposes, too. Maybe they've put up satellites designed just for tracking these things. Exactly, yeah. And how many satellites are up there? And how many satellites are catching them by chance? How many satellites are up there designed to do this? And if this one is picking these things up on a regular basis by chance, it's easy to extrapolate almost mathematically all yeah. out of the number of satellites up there. How many are getting them by chance, and how many might actually be up there specifically to do this? And suddenly you go, oh, my God, these guys, these guys being the covert ops, you know, yeah. of the government, the part that is involved with the alien scenario or reversing the technology, you know, reverse engineering the technology, doing crash retrievals, that whole cabal, if you will, yeah, the people who obviously knows what's coming and going a lot better than we've ever given them credit for. Yeah. And then you go to the space shuttle missions, you know, STS-78, STS-40. Mm -hmm. um, there's a couple others I'm not remembering off the top of my head. But, you know, these space shuttle missions that have caught craft coming into our atmosphere and maneuvering in strange ways and focusing in on them. And, and this, you know, space shuttle footage that before it was scrambled and they used to be able, you know, uh, people used to be able to retrieve it. Um, and, and some that's also been leaked out, you know, and you just go, okay, the, you know, the shuttle's catching these things. So suddenly, you know, you just add these two together and you go, you know, I bet, I bet they're tracking these things, again, much better than we've ever given them yeah. uh, credit for doing. So if they're tracking these things, do they know that any are going repeatedly to a location? You know, are they looking for that? Um, I mean, if they're able to now with spy, you know, satellites find something the size of a quarter from space, or maybe I'm being generous, let's even say the size of a basketball, which you know, this is all <laughs> in the literature, you know, yeah. and, and seeing great detail down to that size, then tracking a craft coming in to its ultimate location would be easy, huh? yeah. you know, kindergarten spy satellite stuff, you know. Yeah. So, so obviously, um, you know, it's it's reasonable to say, okay, they know that these things are coming and going, and other equipment and other equipment on the ground that may be tracking them. Mm -hmm. And then if they feel that one is going to a location, they might then be monitoring stuff with that environment. Are there any strange energetic things going on with that environment that maybe they know that there's a residual effect after abductions or after sightings, and maybe they're able to monitor that residual with, you know, with technology? Um, are they monitoring the phones to see if somebody's talking about it? Are they monitoring the, the sound in that environment, whether it's bugged or from, or from parabolic mic or something, you know, to monitor somebody, you know, talking about, you know. I, yeah. So all this together, you start to go, it would, it would actually be pretty easy for them, if they're doing any of this, any of this at all, it would be easy for them to know who might be abducted. Now, not that they know who everyone is, but that they might be looking for people that match a list of certain criteria. Yeah, they could find abductees mm -hmm. if they wanted to look for them. Mm -hmm. and, and that criteria, again, being, is this an abductee who's had a lot of experiences? Is this someone who's had a varied amount of experiences? Is, in other words, 
is this abductee someone who might know about alien motives? I mean, do, do they seem to have some kind of ongoing relationship in a way where maybe this is an abductee who would be a good person for information? And yeah. then, is this an abductee who's had any technical experience? Um, oh, okay, yep. Not only in their life, that's separate, but you know, but also, is this an abductee who who has mentioned something, anything about seeing technology or experiencing it? Um, you know, they might be looking for that. So, not, and I think that's why some abductees just have low grade harassment surveillance. I think this is the beginning of them checking you out. You yeah, know? yeah. Low grade harassment surveillance, but never have anything else. Well, guess what? You didn't match their criteria. And yeah. probably your low-grade harassment surveillance fell off over a period of time, months or years, you know. But, and let's say you have that, but you have more of it. Well, then you, you, they're looking at you a little deeper, okay? Yeah. You know, and they're not actually going to spend the time and spend the money, per se, to carry out a full operation to re-abduct you unless they really think you have something they want. Yeah. But if you have something they want or they think you do, and I tell abductees, and when abductees have met me and said, you know, gosh, I, you know, I have seen technology, and I've had hands-on with the technology, and I have a background in military, and you know, and, and my father was in the aerospace, you know, all these things that start to match, which I haven't gotten into, but all these things that start to match, you know, the criteria for likeliness, I tell them, I say, you know, fasten your seatbelt. I expect that more will happen to you. I said, hopefully not. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. But you match the criteria for people who do have the reabduction, you know. And um, so far, I haven't really heard back from anyone who has contacted me and said, oh, my God, you're right. But I'd have to think about that. I'd almost have to go back and review some notes and some tapes to see if, if you know, maybe that's right. Now, I have worked with people who have had subsequent stuff after working with me or after talking to me, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll hear from them out of the blue, and sometimes I worry when I hear a familiar voice on the phone. I'm like, you know, because I think, oh, God, did something happen to them recently? And sometimes they'll start going, I had to call you. I just had something happen. No, like, no. Oh, God. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But I'm glad I'm there for them to talk to. Yeah, well, I mean, someone needs to uh, be collecting this information and trying to synthesize it into something, you know. Because it's a un, it's a less spoken of uh, aspect of abductions. Yeah, it, it, it certainly is, and and to me it's such an important aspect, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. Um, first off, you know, in, in abductions, we're, well, in everything UFOlogy, you know, we're looking for that elusive evidence, you know, yeah. and here you have something that provides such strong evidence for not only the reality of alien abduction, but also, the possible meaning of alien abduction and the fact that ab abductions are, have, been, like I said, are so important that on some level they're a matter of national security. Yeah. And why is it? What is it about abductions? You know, so I can look at this both ways. I can say, okay, I can understand their interest and in what they want to know. We almost have to, if you, you know, farther upon, you know, reverse engineer from, from the from the field to look back and say, and to say, what can we tell based upon their interest? And suddenly, some things start to lay out and start to make sense. But, you know, I can look back and go, okay, well, obviously, all their interest in the technological aspect is what do I know about what how they've developed the technology and how far are they along with that technology and what are their 
remaining questions. What are the areas that they might be working on with the reverse engineering of the technology based upon what they're asking the abductees? Exactly, yeah. You know, and I start to come up with some stuff. You know, and it starts to be like, okay, well, based upon what's happening to the abductees, we know something. You start to be able to know what's going on with the cover-up. Where is it at? What are, the, what are they doing? What are they working on? Mm -hmm. What are they working towards? You yeah, know, so based we, upon their interaction with the abductees. Yes. Yeah, so and so and so I. So getting back to what you said, I think it's an extremely important aspect because it provides us with another way to look at the information, to draw conclusions and draw theories, and you know, yeah. it, because it's, it it shows a, a roadmap for for some of these things. And and so not only is it really strong evidence for abduction itself. So it's, it's significant within the abduction field because it's, it's such strong supporting evidence. Of course, if an abduction, you know, I don't know if you're familiar and your listeners are familiar with the Roper poll, but the, there was a Roper poll conducted, uh, paid for by the Bigelow Foundation, um, that was headed up by some of the major abduction researchers who tacked on questions within the Roper poll. And it wasn't, are you an abductee? You know, these yeah. were questions like, have you had, like one question was, have you ever had a period of missing time of an hour or more where you or others didn't know where you were? That was one of the questions. Well, they came up with like 10 in key indicator questions of which, of which five they felt were extremely significant. And if you answered yes to four or five out of the five, so in other words, they didn't even count your response unless you answered yes to all five, basically. Yeah. And answering yes to all five, what the Ropa poll came back with, with numerically was uh, the representation of the populace was 3,700,000. Oh, wow. So if you think 3,700,000 people in the, U in the continental U.S., <laughs> so that's excluding Alaska, Hawaii, you know, yeah. <laughs> and the Virgin Islands, where, you know, yeah. the continental U.S. was 3,700,000 people. And... And the researchers felt, based upon their own numbers of the number of abductees they've worked with and have contacted them and letters they've received, you know, they actually felt that that number was conservative. Oh, wow. You know, and, and like I said, only continental U.S., um, excluding Alaska and Hawaii, you know, yeah. and, and also excluding the rest of the world. Exactly. Yeah. And, and a lot of researchers have come to realize that, if anything, there seems to be more abduction numbers, like the significance number, or, you know, the percentage seems to go up in South American countries, <laughs> even oh, wow. more than here, you know. And we hear about it here because of our media paying attention to it, but, uh, but and also the lack of, of coverage about things like this that happen in other countries that we don't hear about it here. But, but in other countries, it's prevalent and it's news and it's, it's even accepted in some, uh, you know, South America, Brazil, you know, this kind of place. So, um, so, you know, I think there's more numbers that can be done on that over time, but it suggests that certainly these numbers are very high worldwide and we're obviously looking at a number much bigger than 3,700,000. But even if you go back to 3,700,000, let's even just say, you know, let's cut that by a third and say 1 million. You yeah. know? Anything happening of this covert nature, meaning alien abduction, mm -hmm. anything happening in a covert nature, such as alien abduction, to over a million people in the U.S. alone would be a matter of 
interest yeah. <laughs> to national security. Exactly. Especially something happening with in such a militaristic way as technology being used as as a intrusion as you know a, the, just the, you just take the word itself abduction you know if a million people in the country are being abducted by any group of people yeah they care yeah. <laughs> yeah. and what is the nature of that plus you add that with what we know about crash retrievals with what we know about insiders coming out and talking about their involvement in the greater understanding of the development of technology and the alien presence and you start to go and the fact that this was all handed off to the military back in the 40s you know you start to go wait a second if this has become this huge intelligence operation covert operation covert ops black ops military black ops military you know operation in in the retrieval of technology and the development of it, and and then you go into like what Corso was saying about applying some of that technology out into out into the mainstream, and was some of it leaked out, you know, and and you start to look at all this, and suddenly their interest in abductees, just based upon the number of abductees alone, makes total sense. Yeah, and it makes such perfect sense that it wouldn't make sense if it didn't exist. In other words, it it makes perfect sense that they have an interest in the abductees just on the numbers alone, also based upon what they might or might not know about the alien presence that they would want to know more about. And so they're going to be interested in the abductees just based upon the numbers, and then they're going to be interested in what they might know based upon what these guys need to know. Or, or you know, even the possibility. And so I think based upon the possibility, you get into why, well, why then it should be happening to more abductees. Well, it's not. You know, it's still a rather small percentage. Yeah, of the military involvement. The military involvement aspect is happening to a lot of abductees, but not all of them. Yeah. By any means. I mean, you know, I haven't, not enough work has been done, it, done on it to say the numbers. You know, I can't say one in 20, you know, or two in 20, or one in 100. You know, I can't say that. But I can say that it's a lot, and it's increasing. But you would also think, based upon what they might be looking for and what they might be developing, that it would make sense over, over you know, the last 50 years, and certainly with that over the last 20 years, that it might be increasing. Yeah. Um, and so that's what you have. Um, and... Uh, and as I said, it you know, it, so it's, therefore it's like, okay, it makes sense that it's happening. If it should be happening, if there should be this national security interest, that there should be this black ops involvement, is there evidence for that? And yes, there is, based on what's happening to people, the, the witnesses to it, the tampering that, you know, people are photographing their helicopter harassment and videotaping it, yeah. you know, yeah. and there's witnesses to the harassment surveillance. There's evidence often left behind, even in these scenarios. I mean, it, it seems that when it comes to human doing these things, um, as much evidence is left behind or is given by by the aliens, the aliens seem to to be better at being covert, <laughs> be better at covering their tracks. I mean, yeah. even they don't completely, but the humans, they're sloppy. Yeah, they make, they make mistakes. mistakes. Stuff happens, you know, so I think there's, 
not only is there evidence for this happening, but that this happening is such evidence, again, yeah. such evidence for the reality of alien abductions. And, as I also said, tells us so much about what do they know, when did they know it, where are they at with it, how, meaning, meaning those in, involved in covering this up, and, um, and what, you know, what are they developing, you know, uh, and, and why are they doing it, you know. And, and therefore, I think this military involvement and abduction scenario be becomes more than just being important to the abduction community. I think it's important to the entire UFO community. And in, in fact, any, any group of people looking at the angle of, of larger reasons why government does stuff. And, you know, I guess say conspiracy angle, but yeah. I mean I mean more than that really. You know, I, I think this this is important to understand because I think it relates on, on so many levels. And and you know, it's taken me years to come to the point where I can say that as strongly as I do. You know? Now do you find um with the people that you talk to, these my labs, I, I wrote my labs in the notes. So oh, sure, that's fine. Easier for me. <laughs> um, do you find that the my labs are are like? Um, is there a recurring pattern here? Um, let me rephrase it like this: Someone gets abducted, then they have these the harassment, and the military experience. Does another abduction follow, or does the military experience usually put a stop to the abductions? Um. No, the, the military experience does not put a stop to the abductions. But I, I'm saying this very loosely. Like, again, this isn't one of those areas where I've looked at it specifically enough to, yeah. to say definitively. Well, it's a new area. But I can kind of say loosely that it, that it seems that the alien abductions slow down and lessen when someone starts having a lot of the military stuff. And I've kind of just had a theory, and again, this is, I say this loosely, I can't yeah. oh, base yeah. this upon yeah. numbers, this is just my feeling of where this is going, is, is that when you start to have the military experiences, you're, to the aliens, you're like tainted by, you, you become yeah. like damaged goods, yeah. you know. I think it, you know, it, it makes sense if what they're trying to do is, is covert and they're trying to not have the government or the military or those involved know fully what they're doing, then, and you're an abductee who's having a lot of experience with them, and then you have the military stuff, and then it, the aliens know that, and I think there's, that's clear that the aliens yeah. probably know when you've got this going on, that suddenly, you know, well, it's like, well, if, 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 if they don't want to be found out, you know, this sounds kind of creepy, but, you know, I mean, if they don't want to be found out, then obviously... The fact that they know that the that the military is going to be getting more information from you, they're like, well, we're going to stop, you know, we're going to stop providing any more information to this person yeah. because then we, at this point we're just we know they're we know they're a spy basically, yeah. you know, and 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 what happens in in the reabduction scenario? It's funny that I got into the spy thing, but that's one of the things that happens in the reabduction scenario is often the abductees given post hypnotic suggestions to retain certain kind of information should they be picked up again. And what happens is is they have another abduction experience and then boom, you have another military experience. Um, so what happens to the people who've had both, it seems like you have a lot of the alien, then you have the alien and military, and then you, 
and then you've, you've got both going on, and at some point the alien ones start subsiding as the military ones increase, and all of a sudden you don't have either going on. And, you know, and I think it's because you're a risk to the aliens, and yet you're not useful now to the military guys because you're not providing them the information they want. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of crazy, but I've seen this happen in a couple of, you know, a couple, a couple of scenarios. Again, it's 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 one of those things. Is like if the research goes forward, I can look at more strongly. Yeah. You know, for instance, the research from time to time takes different directions as okay. different things come up and are more prevalent. And one thing, for instance, that's come up in the past, but is prevalent for me now, and I'm kind of looking at right now, is that in in the reabductions. Um, that the people have where they have the military experiences is some of these abductees get used in military procedures, like in training procedures, um, in war game scenarios, this kind of thing. Really? And it was always kind of there, and I didn't know really what to make of it. And recently, because of, of two recent cases where this has come up more prevalently, I'm, I'm now wanting to look at that more and say, again, if it's understanding what do the covert guys know and how long have they known it? You know, I can kind of say, okay, based upon what kind of procedures these people are being used in, do we know, can we then kind of know what what their next move is yeah. on, by the cover-up guys? You know, and, and more, it's also a, a deepening understanding of what, why, why the military guys are interested in those abductees. What is it about those abductees that would make the military guys want to involve them in, in some kind of war game scenario or, or testing or, you know, what and why those, why those particular abductees and not some other abductees? You know, some abductees, it seems to be more medical and some it seems to be more technical and some it seems to be, you know, and, yeah, I, I'm, you know, and I'm not sure why that is, but, but it's come up. And also, you know, to me it's like, well, obviously there's some kind of preparation by the covert ops guys, and what are they preparing for? Huh. Um, that, that's a concern. It's like, yeah. you know, is, are they planning to go to war, you know? Yeah. Is it just Cold War? Is it war? Is it just about the technology development? If it is about the technology development, is it because they plan on using it? And they're going to use it against who and why, you know? Exactly and so that. I get down to, you know, and so when they're involving the abductees, now one thing I can say is the involvement of the abductees is not, and this, I can say this I don't know that I can say this definitively, but I, I have a strong sense based upon how it's coming up in the cases I'm working with, that it's not about them using the abductee. It's not like they're creating post-hypnotic spies of the abductees that they're going to use in some military way or they're going to, you know, the abductees are being trained for some military operation. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's more like they're developing training procedures and they're trying to duplicate the way the abductees may process information yeah. or the way they react, not because they plan on using the abductee, but because they're developing a procedure that they're going to train military guys. So like they're reverse engineering uh, via the abductees. Yeah, exactly. That's a great way to look at it. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to borrow that. <laughs> Go for it. That's perfect the way you said that, you know, because that's exactly what it is. And so it doesn't appear that the abductees are going to be used in in some way. I think the abductees are way too much of a risk yeah. to them. But how we might be able to do something, how we might be able to react, you know, and this gets into a strange area where a lot of what the abductees do falls into the paranormal qualities. And and 
this paranormal aspect, the, the telepathy, mind control, mind reading, remote viewing, uh, telekinesis, moving matter with your mind, affecting matter, that kind of stuff seems to be the procedures that they're involving the abductees in, that they're trying to duplicate and then train military guys how to do. Yeah. Now, uh, because obviously, and, and again, it's kind of weird because it gets at, are they preparing for a possible scenario? Or are they preparing for a scenario they know is coming? And that, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with all those things, but being uncomfortable doesn't mean I shouldn't look at it if it's coming up in my research. I should say, oh, okay, yeah. this, is, this is coming up and I need to see if I can, you know, get anything that's consistent amongst it. And, and right now I'm just getting sporadic accounts kind of here and there, but... You know, it's kind of where, you know, it's, it's my latest area of interest in my research. Now, uh, like I said, it changes from time to time. Exactly. So ask me next year, I'm going to be on to something else. <laughs> well, it's a new, it's a new uh, sort of area. It's a new field of research, really, in the last 10 years or so, would you say? So I can see how it's evolving as you find out more information about it. Oh, yeah. It, it has constantly evolved. I mean, since I really started to kind of look into it in 93, 94, you know, since then, it is constantly evolved. And, it, and at different times, I had, you know, different areas of it that I was, you know, most interested in. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, it, and it's all based upon the cases I get, people who are referred to me, um, and what's happening to them, and, you know, and I just follow the evidence, you know? Yeah. And so when I get a bunch of cases that are bringing up one particular thing, I follow that, you know? And so it's 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 constantly evolving and, and moving forward. Um, and now in some of your cases, this one kind of stood out to me, and I wanted to ask you about it, was uh, you said there are instances where people talk about grays and humans working together. So, oh, yes. Uh, can you just speak to that a little bit? Because obviously that's fascinating in and of itself. Well, you know, it's it's a complicated area, but 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 absolutely, and has come up um, repeatedly, sometimes to lesser degrees, sometimes to greater degrees, um, and not just greys, other types of alien beings too, although predominantly greys. But um, Now, it doesn't mean everyone who has the reabduction. okay, so first off, you know, not everyone has the reabduction. Yeah, yeah. but, you know, let's say you do have that aspect of the scenario. In the reabduction, it's usually about an interrogation. Um, Sometimes there's medical, and then of course, like I said, there's this role-playing stuff and this war game stuff and technology operations, you know, different mm -hmm. things. And those things are rare. But in there, also very rare is is the abductee, for instance, being taken to an underground military installation, apparently military. I mean, there's guys in military uniforms, so we assume, therefore, it's military because military uniforms are seen. Yeah. Um, it could be a science installation, we'll rule that out, that kind of thing. But, and they predominantly are with humans in a human environment, but we'll see the presence of what appears to be an alien, or they'll interact with an alien, or an alien will be brought in to perform a certain procedure on the abductee, even though the majority of the experience was at the hands of humans. Um, and then there's also like like myself and two friends who had an, that experience where it was predominantly an alien experience in every way. There just happened to be a guy in military uniform 
on board the ship like he was monitoring what was happening. Now, that to me is even weirder. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. how out of place was that? And the three of us saw this independent of each other and didn't even talk to each other about it. It came out in our regressions, you know. And it just, to all three of us, seemed completely out of place yeah. that there'd be this person in uniform. Not like he was another abductee. That might make sense because abductees do sometimes see other abductees. But in this case, he seemed to be there in some official capacity, like he was watching or monitoring. Yet it was a great ship with grace. You know? yeah, What's yeah. with that? And, then, and so you have that odd scenario, too. But mostly what people would report or an abductee report who's had the reabduction is to say, you know, I was in this underground military base. They had me in this room. I walked down this hallway. It was normal lighting. There were desks and chairs and, you know, whatever. And door handles and, you know, all this stuff that, that make them go, well, this is completely human, you know. Yeah. And then they might be on a table with apparently human doctors, but then all of a sudden in walks this one alien. Yeah. And it does something to them or looks at them or whatever or is involved or does the, the mind thing that aliens are infamous for doing in abductions and then leaves, and then yet the rest is human. It's like, well, wait a second. You know, that, that seems odd. Um, and uh, Or they have an interrogation, and in the midst of their interrogation in the background, they might see two guards and an alien walk by. Now, I think most of these scenarios, not I think, this is what's come up in, in the research, and this is what the abductees generally report to me, is that this is staged. Oh, that really? they're being shown the alien on purpose to, to, to it, it, it's it multi-level. Um, it could be to cause confusion in them. It could be to cause fear. It could be um, to get them to open up more, you know, to kind of like, we know more about this kind of thing, so you can go ahead and tell us more because yeah. we know more. Yeah, like the yeah. aliens are here, so don't worry, you're not yeah. going mm -hmm. to disobey them or something. To, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and, and also sometimes just to confuse the abductee, sometimes to cause fear in the abductee. It, they seem to be like if they see an alien present with the military, it seems to be deliberate. That's not like by mistake. It's like, oh, quick, get the alien out of here. She saw her. Oh, you know, or, yeah. you, know, or yeah. you know, the guy on the table saw the alien. Uh oh, you know, it's no, not like that. It seems to be staged and deliberate. So, but except for in a few scenarios where people see multiple aliens with the military oh. and multiple interacting, and then it seems to be like, a, well, we don't care that you see this. But again, I think it's a, a like you just said, like the aliens are here. We know, you know, like it's a. It's a confirmation kind of thing yeah. where they're, like, letting you in on it. If, and I think if, if you're an abductee who's being let in on that part where you're being shown the presence of, of aliens interacting with them, it's to cause you to, to, to open up. It's like, like they think this will either increase your memory or increase your willingness to talk about it, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. That seems to be there. And then in some weird scenarios, now get this, this is another area that when this first started to come up in my abductions was extreme, and not me, but it's not happened in my own experience, but with, with cases and working with other people. Yeah. An extremely uncomfortable area is, and I, I don't want to, anyone to jump to any conclusions with this because I've, I've had to sort this out quite a bit, is sometimes 
they will bring in a person in an alien costume in the midst of what apparently is a completely human experience. Okay, but there'll be something there that is without a doubt and obvious to the abductee to be a fake alien. Yeah. Usually when they're reporting it to me, they're like, you know, they did the weirdest thing. This guy put on a mask. And it's clear to the abductee because usually there's drugs induced in conjunction with this. Yeah. And all the abductees that have reported this to me have said that it caused them to be confused as to the nature of that particular experience. Like, okay, when we induced the drugs to get you to forget that this has happened, okay, when they start the mind control procedures for you to, to say, okay, this has not been a human experience or, or that this has not happened. You know, I mean, because the, the human guys definitely tried. I mean, even though, like I said earlier, I was joking about them being sloppy, they absolutely try to cover their tracks. Yeah. And they use a lot of hypnosis, drugs, and mind control procedures in the process to do that. And often in the inducement of the commands that you're not going to remember this and the inducement of drugs, this kind of stuff, is sometimes when this person in an alien costume thing will be introduced. And I, it is either to, to influence your memory where you're then going to see that and they try to maybe get you to focus on that so you're going to think it's an alien experience. In the event, either they don't want you to remember at all, but if you do remember, you might think it's an alien experience. Or, just to cause confusion and, and add to the bizarreness, so if you do remember it, you're just going to discount it. Yeah. Because the few abductees that reported this to me kind of said they kind of discounted it initially. And when they brought it up, you know, it's like the last thing they're going to bring up with me. They're, they're bringing up other stuff. They're talking to me, and, they're go, and they hem and haw and go, you know, this is really weird. You know, what do you think of this? You know? And the first time I heard it, I'm like, oh, God, how uncomfortable, you know, because yeah. part of me didn't want to say this is all human, there are no aliens, which, which some people listening might say, well, see, there are no alien abductions, all human stuff. But, but that actually doesn't apply when you really closely look at all the evidence for both. The alien experiences to the abductee are so alien in every way. They're, they're alien environments, alien equipment, alien procedures. The air is self-luminous. There isn't a light source. Yeah. <laughs> That's an example. You know, uh, everything is said with telepathy. You know, um, there are, if there are doors, there aren't handles. It, Doors, but there's usually not doors. The the floor is usually odd. The ceilings are odd. You know, I mean, again, the yes, environments the are alien. You know, the the procedures are alien. The the aliens act in a weird way. Half of what they do doesn't make sense. What they do is awfully so confusing. There seems to be a, a pressure feeling difference in the room, an electrical quality, and all these things. In the human experiences, what the abductees report to me is. The reason they know it's human is because everything about it is human. The people talk, they're wearing uniforms, they're wearing lab coats and yeah, doctor's yeah. outfits. It's a human environment. Two different worlds. Two different worlds down to the way it feels, you know. Yeah. Not just how it looks, but how it feels, how it sounds, everything. And so the abductees are usually very clear when it's one versus the other, which is why when you get this scenario of a person in an alien costume, it seems so out of place. Yeah. And it becomes apparent to the abductee. It's like, 
you know, and maybe initially they discounted it because it was just this other weird layer that made them just go, you know, I can't even deal with this. You know? <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, often I've, I've had abductees have this epiphany even while telling me their experiences and go, you know, I know that was a person in a costume. That didn't make sense, you know. Yeah. And then sometimes I've had some abductees report that they thought maybe it was someone in a costume, but maybe they weren't certain and maybe there was actually an alien present. And, you know, so I, I don't ever try to tell the abductee, well, it was a person costume or it was an alien or it was military or it was an, or it was an alien experience. I usually let the abductee tell me what they think it is. Yeah. And if they say, have you ever heard anything like this? And if I can report back a scenario or two that sounds just like what they're saying, suddenly that gives then they're like, oh, okay, and then they go on to the next thing. And, and a lot of abductees start to have, you know, almost spontaneous recall while talking about their experiences when, they, when it becomes okay to talk to someone yeah. so they feel comfortable. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, even, in, even that's what makes the, the regression successful. It's not, you know... Hypnosis is just someone giving you permission for you to remember. Yeah. You know, they're, they're giving you permission and getting you in a relaxed state where you give yourself permission to remember, where, you know, um, an experience. And um, anyways, I don't want to get into this whole thing about <laughs> hypnosis. <laughs> because truth is, when it comes to abductions, this is often not talked about, when it comes to abductions, most of it is remembered consciously. Yeah. Most experiences, when you, you go to get regression based upon your conscious memories, where you have this piece and this piece and this piece, and you're trying to make it make sense. Exactly, yeah. But it's mostly unconscious memory. And with these, and these military experiences, I would say are, I, I won't say all 100% conscious memory, but I will say such a high percentage of conscious memory. Yeah. That, that... The abductee has remembered this consciously, and it, that's where I get down to, to the you know the, the the humans. Even with the administering of drugs and procedures and stuff, you know it's amazing given that that the abductee remembers anything at all. Yet not only do the abductees remember, but they usually remember on their own. Um, you know, often it surfaces initially in, in the form of a dream or something, but but once they start to remember it, then it just it's like their full memory of the experience comes back. So the ability of these military guys to to cover up what they're doing and to cause an abductee to forget is, isn't isn't really good. I mean, you know, the abductee has questions and stuff, but, you know, usually like I said, there's just a lot of conscious memory there. Now, some of these, this sort of just popped into my head, but some of these people that get drugged, I remember in your... In your notes, it said that they still sort of feel the effects the next day a little bit. Has anyone ever uh, gotten like a blood test or anything yes. afterwards? Yes. Yes. And what kind of results do you get from those? Um, um, one abductee, uh, as an example, comes to mind right away. Um, it wasn't immediately afterwards because she didn't think to get it immediately, but over a period of a time, I think just within, I think it was just within a couple months. Um, of a major military experience where she had been given a bunch of drugs. Someone suggested to her that she could have that tested via her hair. Yeah. And they did test, and they came up, um, apparently were able to determine what kind of hallucinogenic drugs had been given to her and um, and other drugs. Um, 
I, I can't remember the names of them or anything, yeah, but, yeah. but it, it, was known, it was known stuff. And they were able to determine that one of the drugs is only manufactured in one NSA lab. Oh, really? It's so rare, it is, it, it, but it's, it, but someone, I, I, and again, I don't know the full thing here, but they were able to research that, that they were able to determine, maybe it is made in other places, but that it is made in this one NSA lab, and it is extremely rare. So it's a pretty strong piece of evidence, then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. And that, so she has, but if, um, and many, many abductees, um, or many of, of the abductees who report the military stuff, say one of the things that they know right away, and they have conscious memory right away, is, is, is the next day is how they feel. I mean, and they start to realize that there's this, you know, pattern to the way they feel. Yeah. And that's the thing that tells them that they just had a military experience and not an alien experience is, is because they'll be completely wiped out the next day yeah. and spend the day in bed, you know. And that doesn't happen after the alien experiences. I mean, it, it does, but it's rare. And most abductees know the symptoms. If they've had multiple alien experiences, they know the symptoms before and after. And, and then when you start to notice that you have different symptoms after the military experiences, and um, and often it's because well, there's a lot of usually a lot of physicality. I was gonna say physical abuse, but I'll just say physicality yeah. that leaves the person extremely exhausted because of the physicality of, of the military experiences, um, and and often abuse. So sometimes there's more bruising and this kind of thing after the military experiences, even more than the aliens. There's usually not a lot of it after the aliens. There is some bruising, but there's usually more after the military experience, especially if the person resists. When you're resisting the humans, it's just as if you got in a fight during the day and resisted, you know, yeah. resisted in a fight situation, and you're going to have those same kind of injuries. Yeah. And um, so people have these kinds of injuries, and then they also have the effects of being drugged. And... And this can cause all sorts of things, everything from feeling hungover, you know, typical yeah. hangover kind of feelings the next day, to more bizarre and more difficult things to deal with, you know, feeling really sick. Yeah. And um, this is reported quite often after the military experiences. And from um, also from your notes here, it says, uh, consistently the my labs uh, were worse than the ET abductions. That's what the people say. Now, you wouldn't... As far as, as, far as frightening experiences, in okay, fact, yeah. I just had... Um, long story short, because I, I, I don't need to get into depth, although it's someone who's significant, who works with a number of abductees and is very qualified to know these things, who is also herself an abductee, um, just told me recently that she started to come to the conclusion, now this wasn't extreme, but she started to come to the conclusion, whenever she has a really like negative Alien experience that it's actually a military experience. Oh, really? Now that's that's a far reach because yeah. the truth is there are a lot of people who are very traumatized by their alien experiences, and that's usually what causes one to start self-investigating or needing help initially is because they're traumatized by their experience. Now, granted, not everyone is traumatized by their alien experiences, and usually after a period of time that trauma goes away and there starts to be some kind of level of acceptance or interaction. But initially, it's usually traumatic yeah. on, on varying levels. But, you know, 
usually a fear-based trauma. Um, in the military experiences, though, everyone I know who's had lots of or both kinds of experiences, or not even lots of both, but have had, has had alien and then military, have all across the board, I mean, I think I've heard this from absolutely everybody, everyone has told me that their military experiences are worse. Yeah. Worse meaning more, more physical, more difficult, more frightening, more confusing. Oh, really? More traumatic. I mean, the military guys, it seems that the part of the, the mind control aspect of, the, of getting the abductee to forget what's happened to them usually or quite often involves a level of trauma. And um, the aliens tend to bring you back in one piece. Huh. And yes, you're often traumatized by the fear of the experience, but it's but it's usually not because the aliens try to induce trauma. Yeah. The military guys deliberately try to induce trauma, induce a, a state of fear, a state of panic, physical abuse, this kind of thing, um, often associated or in correlation you know, with the drugs in connection to drugging you. Um, but every, everyone has said, you know, People say, you know, look, I've had abductees repeatedly say, look, I'm not wild about my own experiences. I wish they hadn't happened. But the military guys are a lot worse. You know, I mean, they, yeah. they treat you worse. They're meaner. <laughs> they're, yeah. I mean, they're, they're meaner. They're rougher. I've had this said to me. I've never had anyone say, my alien experiences were as bad as my military. Yeah. Or my alien experiences were worse than my military. Yeah. Every single person that's related these experiences to me thus far, you know, <laughs> thus far, everyone has said, and I've never had to ask them. I mean, it's come up every time. My military experiences were worse. And, you know, it's just, these, you know, these, parts of my language, but these guys are assholes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, they're just not as good as, uh, as the ETs, I guess, in abduction. Well, the ETs aren't good. always great, but. Yeah, but, you know, but, they, I don't know. They're not as they're not as rough, and it's not as scary. And the other thing is too, a lot of times there's more trauma just solely based upon the fact that there's the shock of other humans doing this to you. Yeah. First yeah. thought that they're doing this to me. You know it's immoral. You know it's illegal. You know it's unconstitutional. There's more rage in the abductee. Exactly, yeah. The abductee doesn't have that much rage. Sometimes they have rage against the aliens. I shouldn't say they don't, but yeah. but in quite often they don't have rage against the aliens, but they do have rage against the military. But the military, it's more like, how dare they? I mean, it's like, it's like we can almost say the aliens are aliens. They don't know better. <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know? yeah. And there's some... A lot of abductees come to terms with their experience by saying, these guys don't know better. They're clumsy. They don't know, you know. But with the military, it's like, how dare they? They know what they're doing is wrong. They know it's unconstitutional. They know it's illegal. They know yeah. when they're doing something immoral. Yeah. You know, they know when they're hurting you that it's hurting you and that they're hurting you on purpose. Mm -hmm. They know that. And and they're evil. You know, what can I say? They're yeah. just evil. Yeah. And... Um, and that's what the abductees report. That does it for this week's edition of Banal of America Audio. I want to thank Melinda Leslie for sitting down and talking to us for so long. She'll be back next week with Banal of America Audio as we delve into in-depth discussion on the minders, these folks that sort of glom on to 
various people in the abductee world. Uh, her co-author's frightening story. I mean, this story will freak you out. And uh, that that's going to be next week. And what other researchers have to say about Melinda Leslie's work. She discusses uh, various aspects of their cases and stuff like that. You're going to like that. And tons more. And that's all next week on Banal of America Audio. And you can find that at banalofamerica.com. I want to thank Leslie and Chiron of banalofamerica.com for your help and support with the audio series. And of course, I want to thank all you great listeners out there. I hope the extended break wasn't too long and you've found us again and you're back into the fold. I want to remind you all that you should check out banalofamerica.com for daily updates of various esoteric news, commentary, humor. It's all there at banalofamerica.com. In light of the return of Banal of America Audio, we've actually redesigned the banalofamerica.com mothership site. I hope you check it out, and you can find that at www.binnallofamerica.com. Thanks to all the great websites out there that have been linking up to us as well, theanomalous.com and dailygrail.com. That is much appreciated. And again, to all the great listeners out there who find us somehow, tell their friends, post it in their blog, you know, attach a link in an email to somebody important. All you people out there who are doing the legwork for us, I appreciate it. Much thanks. So until you hear from me again next week, this is Tim Benall, signing off.